Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Drivers, start your engines! Hit the pace car! What for? Because you hit every other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect! When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. It's him. He talks to me. He didn't slam you, he didn't bump you, he didn't nudge you, he rubbed you, and rubbing son is racing. Good evening, race fans. Welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network, and welcome to Drafting the Circuits. My name is Frank Santoroski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we go over another busy, busy week of racing news. Joining me in the studio, Seth Eggert, Louise Torres, Richard Uden. What's happening, fellas? Doing good. Yeah, we're all good, thank you. Doing Quite well, honestly. Almost 26 a couple weeks. All right, all right. Good. To, almost Jeez. 26. Yeah, okay. Oh. I got, uh, oh, you're so young. I have pairs of socks older than you. Um, anyway, so uh, Seth uh, Seth hasn't been with us in a while, so we had to send a private investigator you know, to find out, uh, find out where he's been. Turns out he's been cheating on us with another podcast. So, uh, but, but in the spirit of friendship, because uh, Seth has been a, a great dear friend of mine and uh, and uh, and uh, a great colleague to work with. Uh, Seth, uh, just just take a moment and uh, you know plug your other project. Let us know uh, where else we can hear you on the uh, in the podcast world. Well, Kicking Tires has their own podcast now uh, called the Kicking Show. Uh, you can. I did not come up with a name. I hear you laughing, Richard. Uh, mm-hmm. But you can find The Kicking Show on YouTube. Uh, it's hosted by <laughs> Jerry Jordan, uh, Justin Schuler, myself, uh, Zach Canton, Soretti, uh, Sarah Handy. We're working on getting the other writers from Kicking Tires on there. And it should soon be up on other uh, forms of uh, media that you can find your other podcasts on, whether it's Spotify or Spreaker Apple Podcasts, etc. Uh, but for the time being, we are on YouTube. So if you do go and check it out, be sure to like, subscribe, and uh, ring the bell so that way you get notified for when we have more content. Frank, did you get your invitation to go on that podcast? Not yet. Not yet. I'm no, waiting. So no, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting. Well, we, are, we are only uh, two episodes either. in. Uh, yeah, why don't, why, give, yeah, give these uh, youngsters an opportunity to get on their feet. I mean, we've been uh, – <laughs> golly, I've been – I'm doing hey, that. Drafting the circus since 2013. It's I've amazing how time flies. Yeah. I've, so, I've only been guesting one sh- couple shows, so I'm just kidding. Take your time. All right. So let's so let's get to the let's get to the racing. A lot of news came out this week. A lot of uh, driver moves, uh, rumored driver moves, uh, drivers indicating where they won't be next year. Um, let's just try to go down the list. Um, we had talked about Sergio Perez last week, and we um, had speculated it would be Sebastian Vettel taking that spot. Uh, indeed, that is official now. Uh, Sebastian Vettel, uh, four-time world champion, will be in the Racing Point car, um, teamed alongside uh, Lance Stroll. It'll be the Aston Martin car next year. It, it will be the Aston Martin car, yep. Yeah, that's the other that's the other part of the announcement. Um, Sebastian Bourdais uh, announced today that he will be – with the A.J. Foyt team on a full-time basis in 21. Uh, and he will be returning this year. He's going to run the um, the doubleheader at uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway. 
uh, road course that's coming up, the Harvest Grand Prix. He'll be uh, there in a third Foyt car. Now, Sebastian was signed to run a number of races with the Foyt team uh, this year. He did uh, participate in the early the preseason testing, uh, but but every race Sebastian had penciled in that he was to be in the car was one of the ones canceled due to COVID. All the all the early road courses, St. Pete, Alabama, Long Beach, uh, all those were on uh, Sebastian's card, and and we raced at none of those. Uh, Dalton Kelly and Portland as well. And Portland, yeah, Portland was the other one that uh, that was shut down. So, but uh, Sebastian will make his debut in that Foyt car. Um, Coming up uh, the first weekend in October, and there's speculation that there's a uh, a full-time sponsor coming on board as well. The sponsor was not announced in today's announcement, but uh, it, it stands to reason that there's some funding there in place that's going to enable them to uh, hire Bourdais on a full-time basis. So we'll have to see how the rest of that plays out. Uh, Bubba Wallace has announced he won't be in the Petty Car next year. Um, Kyle Larson's name is popping up all over the place. Uh, Daniel Suarez has announced that he'll he'll be moving on from uh, his current ride. So, uh, Seth, you want to run through some of these NASCAR rumors there? Uh, where to start? I mean, like you said, uh, Bubba Wallace won't be back at Richard Payne Motorsports. Uh, Jermaine Racing is apparently up for sale because Geico's not returning, which makes Ty Dillon a free agent. Uh, Daniel Suarez is not returning to the 96. We, Kyle Larson's been rumored, like you said. Uh, and then you also have rumors about Landon Castle, Brandon Jones. Uh, it's a more hectic uh, silly season than I can remember, at least in recent years. Uh, Denny Hamlin supposedly is uh, buying into a team with Toyota support which would more than likely be the Gaunt Brothers car since they're already a Toyota team. And they they are are among three different teams, to my knowledge, that are trying to get uh, the charter from Jermaine. Uh, the Money Team Racing, which is a team associated with Floyd Money Mayweather and Justin Mark's uh, new team, Trackhouse, are also uh, in the bidding for the charter. Uh, at least per uh, what's been the team put is out called, there. The team is called Track House. Track House. Uh, yes. God, that rhymes with Crack House. That sounds terrible. <laughs> I, I don't know. That's just the first thing that popped into my head. Hey man, hey man, that's you what they're gonna call the Seattle Kraken's Arena someday. They're gonna call it the Crack House. I don't want to think about that right now. <laughs> oh my. So yeah, but the uh, the hot rumor is um, the one that's probably got the most legs is Kyle Larson. Uh, taking uh, Jimmy Johnson's seat in the 48 car when it comes available. Um, those seem to be pretty strong. Agree? Disagree? Well, it would either be that or the other scenario that is also likely would be Larson in the 88 and Bowman in the 48. Uh, only, And the main reason why I'm bringing that up is Rick Hendrick uh, on Sears XM NASCAR about two weeks ago said that he had already picked the driver for the 48, but he was not going to announce it to impede their playoff efforts, meaning the driver's playoff efforts. So it's an existing after, it's an existing driver, right. I got you. An existing driver in the playoffs. So that's the only reason why I'm thinking Alex Bowman right now, because other than Matt DiBendetto uh, and technically Clint Boyer, there aren't any drivers that are – free agents that are in the playoffs. Granted, Bowman signed for another year at Hendrick, but to shift him from one car to another isn't that big of a switch. Yeah, and so it doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like it would there. be a big distraction to his playoffs. Uh, anyway, I know gonna... Eric, from what I've from what I've read, uh, Eric Jones more than likely will not be at Hendrick. He's also rumored uh he's rumored at Petty, he's rumored at uh he he's also rumored at uh, the Gaunt Brothers, so or even the Xfinity series. So there's a lot of moving parts and pieces. Well, uh, could it? Sorry, could it be when you say that it's uh, an existing a driver in the playoffs? Could it be an Xfinity driver in the playoffs? Or even trucks? Because well, help. 
Brett Moffitt could be a wild, wild, wild odd one, but he might be a feasible one, but a long, long, long shot. It could also be a driver in the playoffs in the Xfinity Series or Truck Series. Uh, although, to be fair, when Rick Hendrick made those comments, the Xfinity and Truck Series playoffs have not had not started yet, and the Xfinity Series playoffs still don't start for another week. Or it so, could be an NBA player. <laughs> hey, it could be it could be somebody playing hockey. You know what I mean? Because and yeah. NBC likes to cross promote their NASCAR with hockey. <laughs> so <laughs> that's how that's how silly some of the rumors are. So, but Seth, I want to I want to talk to you about Bubba Wallace because I know that you, you you follow him rather closely now. It, it was just a few weeks ago that they were Petty was uh, just about offering him an ownership uh, stake in that team to stay. So for him to decide to walk away, you would imagine he's got something lined up. Well, to clarify that. Uh, Bubba already had ownership in the team. He had 5% ownership. Uh, and the way he got that, at least the way I understand it, uh, last year when Petty was struggling with sponsorship, to compensate uh, Bubba instead of giving him actual uh, salary, they gave him a percentage in ownership in the team. Cool. So, so That's a risky game in that. So my understanding is uh, the new uh, offer was to increase that from 5%, I believe, to either 20 or 25% ownership. Uh, and Bubba said, I'd rather have a paycheck than an ownership stake? Well, Basically, no, that makes him uh, liable for the debt, though, doesn't it? That's the problem. Well, so, yeah, you're no, going to make I, you a, a part I, owner and send you the tire bill. Well, yeah. my understanding is... Uh, that would have been if he bought into the team essentially, or was given ownership of uh, a portion of the ownership of the team. That would have been with the whole Denny Hamlin outside investor deal that was going on, and all of that would have included a move to Toyota, which for a while it looked like Petty might have been leaving the RCR campus, but apparently that changed after Jermaine announced they were selling the team. So I don't know if he's looking at maybe buying into a different team. I, I don't know. I can't speak for Bubba. I don't know exactly what's going on. The only thing I do know for Bubba, though, wherever he goes, he's taking Columbia Sportswear, Cash App, and DoorDash with him per uh, David Smith of Forbes. So, okay, so yeah, yeah, but like I said, I would just that, imagine that he's got something something lined up, or at, least, or at least an agreement in principle, you know? And that, well, what I was going to say is the amount of money those three companies combined uh, that Bubba is taking with him is somewhere between 15 and $20 million. Well, that's the full season, isn't it? That, that's, yeah, that's, uh, not, that's not a hard sell for a team owner. Yeah, that's uh, you definitely definitely consider that. So, all right, so we'll have to see what happens with uh, with Bubba and you know and Denny Hamlin looking to buy a team and all these other things. Um, we'll have to see uh, in Formula One that there's still a few uh, moving pieces that are not signed and sealed yet. Specifically, the Haas drivers uh, who both seem to be on the, on the hot seat. Um, you've got. Uh, you know, Mick Schumacher out there doing really well in Formula 2. So, um, Kimmy is either staying or going. So, there's still a lot of uh, up in the air in Formula 1 when it comes to the silly season. But let's talk about the race, okay? Um, the Tuscan Grand Prix at Mugello. Um, Richard, what a fantastic circuit. It's great, isn't it? circuit, that. Absolutely, yeah. So, and uh, I mean, again, the result was Hamilton by a, you know, by a, yeah, a large distance. Hamilton moves to, uh, yeah, yeah, he moves to within one, one Grand Prix win of uh, taking the all-time record, or for, to tying the all-time record, and two wins from taking the all-time record from Michael Schumacher. Uh, so, good day for Hamilton for sure. But mm -hmm. uh, the race itself was um, a little messy. Richard, you want yeah. to take us through it? Yeah. Um, I mean, in, in, in old-fashioned track, new track, old-fashioned track, you know, narrow circuit, um, 
you know, gravel runoffs. So, you know, guys are going to get, um, you know, stuck in the gravel. And at the start of the race, coming off the line, Max Verstappen appeared to have an engine power unit issue. Um, so although he actually made a, a good initial phase of the start, his second part of the start was uh, was poor. And as he was going around turn, between turns two and three, I think it was, he got collected and it all got a little bit clumsy. Um, I'm, I'm guessing it was uh, probably his battery pack wasn't working, so the combustion engine and the turbo was pushing him forward, as it were, and then the um, um, you know the battery just wasn't giving that extra power, and people just tripped, excuse me, tripped over him. That took Max out and Gasly out, so we go from very much the hero to zero sort of scenario at the first, uh, you know, on the, on the first lap there, and. You know, as you'd expect with that, you know, the car's stranded in the gravel, you know, safety car came out after uh, three or four laps, I think it was, while that all got cleared up and tidied up. And uh, then we sort of go back to racing. Now, the, the way with uh, Mugello is it's pretty difficult to pass around there, but you've got a very long straight. It's almost a kilometre long. And um, that was, you know, it's so easy to get a toe down there, even without a DRS. So Bartas was leading uh, after getting a better start than Hamilton. And... You know, quite rightly, his tactic was, I don't want to go too early, because if he goes too early, then, you know, Hamilton, even if he doesn't react, you know, perfectly, he's going to be in the slipstream and he's going to pass going down into turn one. So so Bottas like, held it as long as he could, literally till the start-finish line, almost like NASCAR-esque. And, you know, typically in Formula 1, they'll go two or three corners. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Before the uh, end of the lap. And the drivers behind him just uh, eventually just got, you know, caught up and tripped over each other. And, uh, you know, it was lucky that nobody had uh, anything. Where I think Carlos, um, yeah, Carlos Sainz had a strained wrist, but he had three or four guys out there in the spot. I mean, there was Science, I think Science Magnuson, Latifi and Giovinazzi maybe. Um, yeah, Gio was in that one. Yeah, so it was four cars then. So, oh, goodness me. So, and that was littering the start finish line. Carbon oh, yeah, yeah, it was a mess. Yeah, it just looked like. Oh, yeah. Boom, and, you know. um, for the second week in, the row, in, a, in a row, the old red flag came out and uh, sort of reset the race, cleared all that up, got going again, and then it sort of settled, settled into a half decent rhythm and groove there with only 13, 14 cars left in the race. And. Uh, you know, Hamilton sort of again was managing the race and had everything pretty much under control as he tends to do when he gets out in front. And Bottas made a call saying, oh, whatever, you know, tyres Hamilton goes on to, I want to go into the opposite compound or, you know, alternate strategy. And of course, Mercedes wearing none of that. They don't want to dare risk a one, two finish because goodness me, they haven't had enough of those. Um, and, you know, God forbid they'd actually want to make it exciting for us. But, um, you know, he was sort of pretty much running running order, and then it appeared that um, round sort of turn eight nine on the back of the circuit, Stroll had a puncture as he was turning into a very fast right hand corner and pitched himself into the barrier and, and really made a mess of the car. And again, he was lucky that there was no, you know, nothing too serious going on there. I'm sure he's a little bit sore the following day, but nothing crazy, thankfully. Again, red flag came out for repairs to the barriers. Uh, you know, that the barriers have to be integral as if. Well, the integrity of the barriers has to be the same post-accident as it was pre. So there's a lot of work goes into to securing the barriers and the tire walls and the conveyors, the conveyor belts system that they put over the top. Uh, so you, again, you had Hamilton, Bottas. Um, there was a, a brief safety car period uh, before that where there was a few 
um, you know, tire strategies going on then. But then, of course, when the red flag came out, when they realised it was going to take longer to fix than they'd liked, that neutralises all the tire strategies because they can change tires under a red flag anyway. Uh, so we were down to I think it was twelve cars. Um, two cars were lapped down. They managed to unlap themselves, and with um, I think you, you, the running order was Hamilton, uh, Hamilton, Bottas, Ricciardo, and Albon. And on the restart, there uh, eventually Albon managed to get ahead of. Ricciardo, and uh, for his first podium, which was uh, you know very very well deserved, you know the, the kid, you know really does try very very hard, and he's had a bit of bad luck and needs that confidence boost, I think, which uh, which hopefully you'll get from that, and going forward, uh, hopefully you can, you know, read that rear gunner that uh, Red Bull have been looking for when it comes to battling the Mercedes. Um, on the thousandth Grand Prix, the Ferraris in their maroon. Original colour scheme. Um, I think finished ninth and tenth or something. It was. Yeah, which uh, was which was actually a good result for them. Yeah, <laughs> you know, based, George based on Russell some of their. Break. Yeah, yeah George Russell was unlucky. I think if the red flag hadn't come out, he would have probably finished ninth or tenth. But um, either him or the Williams does seem to have a trouble at, problem at the start, and almost every race. You know, he's been quality. Saturday, George Russell has been the star of the season. I think. You know, getting that Williams into Q2 uh, on a number of occasions. I think it's five times he's got into Q2. And if you saw his the lap that he actually out-qualified Latifi on again to make it 30-0 on the qualifying standings, I mean, he man, ran massively well. He had all four tyres in the gravel, kept his foot on, and um, you know still managed to beat his teammate. Amazing control of um, look, confidence, whatever you want to call it. Um, but he always seems to struggle that first lap. You know, he always seems to, you know, maybe starting 15th and at the end of lap one, he's 18th or something. And unfortunately, again, George and Czech are the two guys that are pretty off off on the opening yeah, lap, especially in the standings. It's inter- and unfortunately, you can't really tell if it's the Williams because Latifi's normally pretty much near the back and will drop drop back anyway. Yeah. Um, if it's George or, or, or the car there. So... Uh, it would have been great again to see them get the points, especially the first race under the new ownership. And uh, you know, yeah, that, that was frustrating for uh, for the Williams guys. Uh, Kimi managed to get a point, despite because that was a little bit unfair, I think, on on uh, on, on the Williams there, because Kimi was a lap down before the accident and the red flag, and because he couldn't lap himself, um, he actually had a five second penalty for entering the pit lane too late and going across. Not that the pit lane was closed, but he missed the pit lane entry and then. Took a little cut across the grass there. So you got yeah, that was yeah, the, the, and then he wondered why he was getting a penalty. I'm like, uh, that oh, was, it was pretty, yeah. <laughs> it was pretty yeah, uh, obvious, yeah. yeah. So yeah, so the, you know, Williams were, were pretty unlucky there, but um, you know, what what uh, what can you say? But they keep putting themselves in the, you know, I mean, goodness me, they're putting themselves in the position to score points a lot more regularly than they were last year, and it'll come. Oh, you certainly, know, yeah. If, if I, you look I, at the, they, they've the got to they've got to win the most improved award. You know, oh, if, if, that, if that award I mean, there's enough, exists, yeah. I mean, if you yeah. look at these statistics out there of um, lap time comparisons, uh, Williams have gained by two and a half to almost three percent, whereas and every other team, bar Ferrari, have gained between zero and one percent. The two uh, Ferrari engine suppliers in, in Alfa Romeo and Haas are down at the bottom, but have made a gain in performance, whereas Ferrari are actually at the bottom have had actually a reduction in performance in theory their 2019 car with their 2019 engine is a faster car so they're the only team that are really struggling you know massively struggling of course it's going to carry on to next year with the, the frozen regulations so oh sure yeah yeah ferrari's uh, in for a long haul for them. and you know it's a shame to see this big thing their thousandth race and it was you know it was more of a parade for them than a exhibition of their um Potential or th- th- their ability, should we say? Um, it was good to see Mick Schumacher driving his father's 2004 uh, Ferrari. You know, the very very dominant car there. I think won 15 out of 18 races that year or something along those lines. Um, and of course, Mick took the, cha- the, the lead in the Formula Two Championship. So, uh, you know, after we were saying a couple of weeks ago, if he's going to get the drive, he's really got to win the championship because there's with Schwarzman and Isla up there. You know, it'd be a bit unfair if they both beat him and then got overlooked for that Sauber drive, also Alfa Romeo drive. But he's uh, he's picked it up and consistently wires these last three or four races in Formula Two or three or four weekends because they have two races a weekend. 
uh, last three or four weekends, he's been really solid and really reliable. And I think he finished fourth in both races uh, this weekend to take the championship lead. So it's looking good for him. Looking very good for yeah. him. Now let's talk about Max Verstappen a second, okay? So we've got two consecutive engine-related problems, mm-hmm. um, which pretty much it, it really evaporates any hope at all of uh, of Max trying to mount a you know a battle for the championship against the Mercedes. Um, he's you know yeah. he's pretty much out of it yeah. now. Um, I put the fork on that one at Monza. Well, now. yeah, but <laughs> either way, it's the, the fork is in there now, and and we're, we're probably. The, the roast is a little overcooked at this point. But um, do you feel like maybe Honda is sacrificing reliability for, for performance, or, or, or are they just coincidence? I think it's a balance. I think, you know, Mons is difficult because Mons is a high-power circuit, and typically you'd put a new engine in there. And, you know, it, it, is, it is very difficult because they, they have a very demand, probably the most demanding customer engine um, team on the, in, in, on the grid there in, in Red Bull, uh, and they, you know, obviously the the Red Bull divorce from Renault was was very public, and it would be embarrassing, greatly embarrassing for Honda to go through the same thing. So they obviously are pushing the envelope there a little bit. Um, you know, they've got four four cars out there, but you know, saying that they won, um, you know, the Italian Grand Prix in a in Alfa Tori, so you said the engines can't be that shabby, and they held. Oh no, not at all. No. The Mercedes at the end of the sorry, the um, the McLaren at the end of the race there. So there, there's a balance. There's always a balance, and again, we 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 we're developing such a um a, a the, the technical levels that you see in the car performance and the engine performance are now such that, and this isn't meant in a disparaging way. It's not like the old 1990 computer games where you pick a car and you go, oh, I want this to go fast but not very reliable, or I want this to be reliable but not very fast. You know, there's a lot more to the equation than just those two variables. And I'm sure there, you know, Honda will be looking, this is a long-term game, Honda know that with a team like Red Bull with arguably their aerodynamic performance and their aerodynamic prowess, which we've seen in the past under Adrian Newey and and his uh, colleagues in their aero group, 2021, oh sorry, 2022 as it is now, is their big opportunity. So, and I'm sure that Red Bull have said that to them as well. They've said, look, you've got three or four years to get your engine right. You know, we'll take failures. We'll take DNFs right now. We'll take, um, you know, not the optimum performance. If we're there come that season when it's a, you know, new, new, your clean slate. So, they're going to be experimenting, they're going to be learning, they're going to be developing, and they'll have written off these two years, I'm almost certain, in terms of a title challenge. It's just, hey, look, get wins, get performance, learn and grow, because if Mercedes can do it, we can do it. Certainly, yeah, and and, and of course, Max's talent is never... Um, oh, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's undeniable. The, 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 the kid is very, very good. So. Yeah, I mean, We're, Max will only be 25 comes 2022. So Yeah, I mean, imagine um, how much how much better he's going to be then, you know. Yeah, it's, it's, almost, mean, that, it's almost going to be a little scary. Yeah, I yeah. mean, he's younger than Al, he's younger than his teammate. And, you know, Alvin's the rookie sort of thing in the team. It's, it's quite a surreal concept in many, many ways. Yeah. Um, you know, and and it proves that the right the gamble that Red Bull made, you know, all those years ago, five six years ago, when they put him in a car at seventeen, having only ever driven fifteen single seater races up to that point, is it, worth it. You know, they they um, put a lot, or well, they invested a lot in, lot in him, and, it, and it's paying off so far. So you've got to give credit to them. They took a gamble with him. They took it. They've taken a gamble with Honda, and. Um, the early signs, I think, are good, and I think come 2020, that will be a, you know, Hamilton will, he's bound to start to fade. He's, what, 35, 36 now? So he'll be 36, 37 for that season. Who knows? He may walk away before then, you know, thinking, well, I don't yeah, want to I mean, the only, and have the, three that, or four by, the, by the end of this season, the only record left to break will be winning an eighth championship. Because, yeah. you know, he's, he's it's pretty much a foregone conclusion he's going to overtake uh, – Schumacher on the all-time wins list. He's it's pretty much yeah. a foregone conclusion he's going to win his seventh championship this year. Um, yeah. That that eighth yeah. one would put eventually him eventually the hundred. Yeah, he'll get the hundred wins. He'll get the eight championships. Yeah, yeah. yeah so and then he exactly. gets to that point, and it's it's like, well, 
you know, where's Lewis's motivation? He'll be 36, 37 by that stage at the end of 2021. There's obviously going to be a big regulation overhaul. You know, there's no guarantee that Mercedes will be, you know, up to speed with that. You know, you've seen that in the past when, the you know, you look at Renault when the turbo era came in, you know, they were nowhere. They were the worst engine on the grid. And Red Bull suffered after four years of dominance in uh, with Sebastian Vettel. So, you know, does he want to do that? Does Hamilton want to have that period of, you know, the twilight of his career fizzling out? Or does he want to turn around, get the 100 wins, get the eight world championships and, you know, leave at 36, 37 with his head, head held high and nobody being able to question his, his performance there and leave it to Max and Leclerc and, you know, Norris and Russell and these guys that are coming through. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean there's Hamilton. there's something Hamilton to be said for not, going out on top. Hamilton uh, still has not signed a contract for next year, officially. Officially, or has yeah, been. So. You know, he's still. You know, if you, you there's still no official word on next year, and Toto hasn't signed a contract for next year, and Toto's the one that's umming and ahhing over. Does he want to, you know, stay on? Uh, it started to sound with, like Michael Jordan, Phil Jackson, in their final year, the big unknown. Yeah. Is, uh, you know, especially with Ineos looking, there's a rumours that Ineos are coming in to buy into the team um, more than you know, more than just being a sponsor or a technical partner. You know, some rumours are sort of about 80% per, you know buy-in by Ineos, which is a huge amount for a private investment company. So that's interesting. Mind you, that it's Eddie Jordan that started that rumour, so take that for what you will. <laughs> Certainly, yeah. Um, so listen, <laughs> we've got a lot of show to to still get through. Yeah. So where are where are we off to next in Formula One? Uh, Sochi, Russia. Sochi, in, we've got a week two, off. Well, a week and a half. Week and a half. Yeah, week off. So, um, okay, so we've we'll got a weekend well, off. A few people at Mugello, but uh, this is the first like official crowd that will be present at a race, I believe, because Russia's already got the vaccine, so they're safe. <clears throat> oh yeah, okay, certainly, yeah. So <laughs> that's, <laughs> a, that's a topic. That's a topic for somebody else's podcast. No, but it'll be nice to see. Um, It'd be nice to see a good crowd at a Formula One race because, you know, we're used to yeah. seeing, uh, you know, just throngs of people at these Formula One races. And just, I mean, watching Monza without the Tifosi there was almost sad. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but Seth, um, NASCAR, uh, was it Richmond? Yes. Um, all three series running? Yes, and Xfinity had a doubleheader, so four races. All right, so let's uh, let's break this down. Let's start with the cup race. Um Go right ahead, well, Seth. All yours, because we, we missed you the last couple weeks. So. <laughs> well, the cup race was the Brad Keselowski show. Uh, it, Richmond in recent years has been a lot more tame, a lot cleaner, and this past weekend was no different. Uh, Brad dominated the race, led just under half the race. Uh, otherwise, the other contenders were Logano, Austin Dillon, and Kevin Harvick. Uh, Harvick lost out after speeding on pit road. Dylan missed pit road uh, one time, and Logano just got outrun by Keselowski. So, with a few mistakes here and there, Keselowski basically ran away with it. Uh, William Byron struggled. Ryan Blaney struggled once again, uh, as did Matty Bandetto. And then you had the rest of the playoff drivers, 13 of them in the top 14. The only outlier was Tyler Reddick in 11th. Uh, Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. So the playoff picture is starting, at least for the round of uh, 12, is starting to become a little bit more clear. Uh, as of right now, both Blaney and DiBendetto are a little over 20 points uh, behind. It's not impossible for them to make it up in one race, but they could certainly use a win. Uh, Byron, Custer... They're within 10 points, so they could easily make their way back into the playoffs where Bristol this weekend is a cutoff race. 
Otherwise, there were no natural cautions in the cup race. It was just a competition caution to check tire wear and then the two stage ends. Yeah, it was a pretty static race. Like I said, I was I was bouncing in and out from watching it, but every time I I had, you know, drew my attention back to it, Keselowski had a pretty healthy lead. Um, you know, and Brad, you know, so I was thinking about this today. It's hard to believe it's been eight years since his uh, Cup championship. You know, and and it's he's just, he, <laughs> I know, right? Well, he's, he's eight been, years. Uh, he has a new crew chief with uh, Jeremy uh, Bullens. So. Yeah, so um, like I said, Brad's been kind of up and down. He's like, like when he's on, he's on, like he was on in Richmond. Uh, then he's got uh, other days where he just also ran, and, and then there are other times where he's he seems to have a, have a car that's that's not great on either short runs or long runs, you know. And the race doesn't seem to fall his way. So I mean, I, I'm wondering if uh, you know a second Cup title is uh, in the cards for him. He certainly choosing the right time to, uh, you know, have a dominant performance right here in the midst of the playoffs. So, you know, if you got to, you know, we've talked about, you know, Denny Hamlin all year long. We've talked about uh, Martin Truex all year long. We've certainly talked about Kevin Harvick all year long. Um, but, uh, you know, Keselowski's that uh, that other guy right there who could just snatch snatch this thing from, from all three of those guys. Yeah, and another driver I'd also throw into that mix uh, would be Chase Elliott, and the main reason why is uh, two of the wins that Brad got were one was a mistake by Alan Gustafson, the other was a mistake by Chase and Logano uh, of Brad's four wins this year. But uh, Chase has also seemed to be peaking uh, at around the same time, if not uh, maybe a few races sooner. Uh, Darlington, he, it looked like it was going to be a battle between him and Truex until uh, Truex decided to uh, dive bomb it in there. And then this week, which Richmond is one of Chase's uh, weaker tracks based on uh, average finish and loop data, and he actually had a decent race, finished top five, uh, which, at least for him at Richmond, is uncharacteristic. I think he only had one top ten finish prior to the, uh, this past weekend at Richmond. Yeah, it was a good day for him and Bowman, kind of what both of them needed. The same cannot be said about William Byron or Jimmy Johnson, for that matter. Well, he's not in the playoffs. Well, for Johnson, uh, he was running up front until uh, he had contact with Bubba Wallace uh, during the uh, restart after the competition caution. And NBC showed Jimmy get loose behind Bubba uh, after – Jimmy had the damage. Apparently, it was Jimmy trying to retaliate against Bubba, but NASCAR and NBC never dove into detail as to what happened or showed any replays, so it's hard to tell exactly what went on between the two drivers. Uh, whatever did go on, Jimmy didn't try to get payback later in the race, so I don't know if Bubba just moved him out of the groove or what happened. Yeah, it's one of those we'll never know unless we ask the two sides of the party. But another one that I found, and I mentioned this off the air a little bit, that I felt like Austin Dillon. If there was another guy that had that had a strong car, that was definitely Austin. Who, in my eye, the way he performed was probably the best race he's had in his entire Cup career. Yes, he's got those three wins, including the 500. But this was his best overall race performance where he put it all together and. Despite some hurdles he had to deal with, he held his own real well, and I think a couple of them did as well, which made it for a captivating race, unlike some people. He probably would have had a chance at the win had he not missed pit road, and the main reason why he missed pit road, uh, as he's out on the backstretch waving that he's coming to pit road, uh, Hamlin, who was, I think, two or three cars back uh, on fresh tires, came up and was riding his bumper to the point where uh, Austin had to throw it in and completely missed the commitment box, completely missed uh, the commitment line, and had to drive all the way around. Uh, really nothing Austin could have done, and with how far back Hamlin was in traffic, he couldn't see Austin waving that he was uh, coming to pit road. 
So it was just a perfect storm, so to speak. No, mo- most certainly. Can't, despite that, can't really discredit how he did it because I'm not going to lie, I had him as one of the first four out completely, non-factor, but now he's looking like another. Uh, he's a great run, another great run away from making it into the round of 12, which he has done before. But this one is more, you can say, earnful compared to the last time he made it to the round of 12 a couple years ago. Yeah, and if you factor in his performance, uh, you know, last week at Darlington, this is, you know, he's got consecutive top five finishes. And I had read a stat today. That the last time the number three car had consecutive top five finishes was 20 years ago when that sure. that, that other fellow with the, the bushy mustache was driving the car. So Now, there were also two uh, Xfinity races this weekend. Like I had said earlier, it was a doubleheader. Uh, Justin Allgaier swept both races. Uh, it's his first time sweeping a doubleheader weekend. Uh, he, and he flat out dominated both races. There really was not much of a contest. Granted, in the first race, he did have to hold off Justin Haley late in the race, but Haley kept burning up uh, his tires and would fall back. Austin Cindric, kind of the same thing. And Kyle Busch, surprisingly, who ran the, the first Xfinity race, was a non-factor. Uh, never contended for the lead and never ran better than third all race long. I think it's qualifying where he started. I was just almost going to say qualified, but where he started also kind of factored in where it was depending where you start. Some ra- couple, a race in and there, you could work your way to the front, but it felt like Kyle took way, way, way long to finally get to that top five, but it was too late for him to get one last win, maybe for the year, because you never know how he's going to end up doing a cup going forward. Now, one other note I do want to make, at least in the two Xfinity races, in the Friday night race, uh, 29th place finisher Chad Fincham was disqualified for failing uh, post-race heights. That doesn't have that much of a impact. However, uh, Mike Snyder, who crashed out early, actually gains one point, and he is in the battle for the final playoff spot. So it basically makes him at less of a deficit. Yeah, it's um, kind of it, adding insult to injury. You finish 29th and then get disqualified. <laughs> you yeah. know? So, but, uh, it, it, but, but it does benefit, like you said, benefits a young Maya Snyder. Yes. And then in the second race, uh, it was, again, a basically a cautionless affair aside from uh, Colby Howard cutting down the tire at one point. And then late in the race, Riley Herbst decided to clear himself and spun off the nose of Brandon Brown and completely destroyed his car. Brandon Brown, despite the damage, uh, still finished top 10, if I remember correctly. Uh, No, actually he finished 11th. But with the amount of damage to Brandon Brown's uh, right front, I'm surprised he didn't have a flat tire. Yeah, that was surprising for sure. Uh, and then we also had the trucks in action. Uh, again, virtually caution-free aside from two incidents. One early on uh, between Ray Sorelli and Tim Veens, which was awkward in the fact that Ray owns both trucks. And it was the only time both trucks which were sponsored by the Trump campaign, were on TV. And both were five-plus laps down at the time. And one of them ultimately, what was it, like Tim fell out of the race after that? Looked like a minor incident, but... It they, just, they that's looked, probably yeah, the best. Yeah, it, 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 it seemed weird that Ray turned right uh, coming off the corner. I'm just going to say that. Uh, and out mean like he got loose. They, they were on the straightaway, and Ray just turned right. <laughs> uh, that is weird. Anyway, about that playoff battle between Todd Gill and Tyler Ekram and Derek Krause. Uh, Todd basically did what he had to do. He had to leave with, like, basically with his uh, cushion intact, and 
it's exactly what he did. Uh, he kept Derek Krause at bay, uh, got the final playoff spot, and he's probably the dark horse for the playoffs, uh, all things considering. Uh, Tyler Ankrum also uh, kept his playoff spot. Grant Enfinger not only won the race, but won the uh, regular season championship, if I remember correctly. That was Austin and, Hill. Who won oh, I'm sorry. Austin Hill won the regular season championship. Thank you. Enfinger yeah. uh, was a year and, ago. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Uh, and you, it was a kind of a old school race because he only had six trucks finishing on the lead lap. Uh, Cody Robaugh, who runs part time uh, uh, in a family owned truck, finished sixth, the last truck on the lead lap, which honestly was impressive. Timmy Hill got another top 10 in his uh, family owned truck. David Reagan, making just his second start of the season, got a top 10. Uh, Nice Motorsports, which is who uh, Ross Chastain finished runner-up in the championship last year with, they were atrocious this weekend. Uh, Two of their trucks uh, had to go to the garage during the pace laps, uh, Trevor Bain and uh, Natalie Decker, and both, I don't think any of their trucks finished on the lead lap or remotely close to the lead lap. Uh, They were just out to lunch all night, which is uncharacteristic for them. And also certainly doesn't help how last year, if I recall, Ross's truck was GMS backed, if I remember. Uh, They had a GMS alliance for both trucks last year. Uh, This year they went independent. Yeah. And it's kind of a similar story to Stuart Friesen, who ran essentially a GMS truck last year then went independent with an alliance uh, with KBM this year. And until the last two or three races, uh, they had been out to lunch as well. Yeah, one guy that was in the championship for not even close to being a factor of the playoffs at all. So if you were talking about most disappointing driver of the year, Friesen is well, well up there among all three national touring series in my book. It's been real underwhelming. Yeah, uh, and... In the experience series, we have one more race until the playoffs, uh, which is at Bristol this weekend. For the most part, uh, the playoff field is set. Brandon Jones is uh, in 12th. He is the last driver right now in the playoffs. Uh, and he has a, about a 50-point lead over Jeremy Clements, which it's not impossible to get that in one race. Uh, Jeremy would basically have to have a perfect race win both stages and the race itself. Now, remind uh, me, is Myatt riding for Sieg or RCR this, this coming weekend? I believe it's Sieg this weekend, and he has RCR races in the playoffs. Okay. Uh, it's Snyder, uh, essentially, uh, I would, I'm going to say... He, his best chance to make the playoffs was earlier this year at Pocono when he was last in the RCR 21. He was dominating that race, and a pitch strategy call ended up costing him, I think, a top-five finish. I think he ended up finishing sixth in that race. I I think he, it was either third or sixth, I forget. But uh, that ultimately may have been what sealed Brandon Brown's uh, opportunity in the playoffs. For sure. It'll be a great ordeal for them, but we'll see how that goes in that championship trail. Speaking of championship trails and somebody that has been out to lunch, that was definitely Scott Dixon in mid-Ohio. Yeah, so... uh... (laughs) Poor poor qualifying. If you qualify poorly, you're not going to amount to anything in the as shown by both races. All right, so you just you just jumped ahead in the program. So <laughs> anyway, yeah, Indy, IndyCar did have uh, back-to-back races in Mid Ohio, and we did speculate that uh, this is one of Scott Dixon's best tracks. He's got six wins there, um, and we expected him to do well, possibly even sweep. But uh, a pair of tenth place uh, finishes allowed Joseph Newgarden to close that gap. A little bit, so... Um, well, certainly, and it was a great, great, much-needed overall weekend, with the exception of Simon Paget over Will Power and Joseph. Power ending up winning race number one, and we kind of see, saw the Will Power of old, because even he had his 
his own doubts if he was going to win this season or at all. Because I think we were talking about a, a while back that Will Powers just had the bad luck where if he needs all he needs is just one perfect race his favor, like a pit stop or a rule or a tire. And he finally got that. But to, the one guy that stood out that needed it as much of a miracle of a great run is Alexander Rossi. Back-to-back podiums, his best runs all season. Not just for them, the entire Andretti camp with Ryan Hunter Ray getting his podium in the second race and Colton Herdup, which pretty much he has carried the entire Andretti camp all year long. He got his third career win which happens to also be his third career podium of his young IndyCar career. Yes, okay. Gosh, you're talking so fast, Louise. <laughs> well, we've got I mean, we've got 15 minutes left in the show. So, oh, okay. Uh, okay. You know, when I was asking you to wrap up the <laughs> NASCAR segment, I said we had to blow through the IndyCar. <laughs> so, but uh, but let's no, let, 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 let's let's yeah. Okay, so let's let's back up a little bit. Okay, so so race one. Was uh, a very clean race, caution free, and like you said, it was a perfect day for Will Power. And Will has a number of those in his career where he just puts on a clinic. He gets he gets in that zone, and nobody can stop him. You know what I mean? He's this is why he's uh, he's right up there uh, with all those poles. He's perfect in qualifying, then perfect on race day. Uh, this is the kind of thing Will needs to boost his confidence because, as you said, he's had a uh, pretty you know, up and down year with just luck. Um, and then another guy with the just bad luck uh, or, you know, mechanical problems is Alexander Rossi, who was able to uh, have a good couple of runs, um, third in, in race one, second in race two. Uh, Andretti podium sweep in race two. Colton Herta put on a, you know, I don't want to say Colton put on a clinic on uh in race two, but uh, race two, the qualifying was interrupted by rain and yeah, a couple, a couple a of couple of red flags. The qualifying was a mess. We ended up with a front row of uh, Colton Herta and Santino Ferrucci uh, with uh, Scott Dixon right there in the mix. Um, and on the on the opening lap, we saw you know Ferrucci get a little bit aggressive, get off the you know. You know, come off the track, come back on the track, you know, took out uh, Alex Pillow, um, took out, who's the other guy he took out? Um, I think it was in, like, Felix as well. Yeah, yes, I think it yes, yeah, took out Felix Rosenquist and Alex Pillow, two, you know, uh, two guys that would have been contenders in that race. Um, and then Dixon made an uncharacteristic mistake, spun all on his own, trying to drive aggressively, and then went all the way to the back of the field. Salvage it for a 10th place finish. Um, and, and again, the, the middle portion of the race, we saw Sato lead for, for quite a long time as he, you know, he decided not to pit on the early yellow and try to stretch his fuel, try to do the overcut. And again, he tried this a gateway and failed miserably. And then, then we try this strategy again and again, failed miserably. So I'm not, I'm not sure why the Ray Hall team tried that overcut strategy again, but, uh, I think it's you safe know, to say so. they should probably not try that in the Harvest Grand Prix or any time further because it's obviously not been working for them, and it's prevented them from probably being more up there in the championship points, especially Ray Hall. Yeah, and Ray Hall, for his part, he had a uh, pretty good weekend at Mid-Ohio. Um, he uh, he was in the top five in both races. Uh, you know, he didn't... Uh, uh, he didn't win, but he, um, he certainly, you know, certainly his, you know, season needed a little bit of a confidence booster as well. Uh, but uh, Graham drove well. He was right there in the mix. R- uh, Ryan Hunter Ray drove well, both races right there in the mix. Um, the Andretti team needed that lift. Uh, the Andretti team this year ha- have been, you know, cursed with uh, bad luck, bad races, bad strategy, uh, accidents, these sort of things. So for them to sweep the podium, in race two gives that whole team a much needed boost, uh, you know, on Colton Herta's coattails who, uh, who led the team. Yeah. And that's much needed because a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about how they had gotten so bad that their teammates started wrecking one another from where Michael's been pointing the fingers to sack Beach and all of that. But now coming back, we'll have under Ray Rossi and Herta, of course, winning, putting on an excellent show showing that, Hey, it might when we're on it, they're still on it. It's just 
you need to have a well put out race. That's been the tale of all year long with IndyCar. Everything needs to fall into place. And also qualifying was very key. I know you talked about the second qualifying race. The thing I got very irritated is that how I found it funny how I think the inside and outside world were based on whoever from what group qualified in the poll. So for Herta, he was group number two. So he obviously was in the poll. So every odd number starting position were the guys from group two, which meant guys like Will Power and Jack Harvey actually rather than starting at the back of the pack because they didn't set a time, they actually were ahead of guys that actually qualified, which to me is absolutely ludicrous. They, in my eye, if you don't qualify, whether it's an incident or in or out of your control, obviously you have to be in the back. I don't know what kind of system they're trying to do basing odd and even numbers based on what group you were. Yeah, the whole it's thing just, when they when they do these double headers and they shorten the qualifying – you know, and instead of having your and they they've done they do this at Detroit every year where the second race they have this abbreviated qualifying session rather than doing the whole group one, group two, group three, and then fast nine, uh, which which is a system that seems to work. But yeah, they, it's they, they do this. Yeah, they do this really abbreviated short qualifying session prior to the race on race morning and. Um, so yeah, but this time more than ever, it looks like you saw the flaw, which is to me incomprehensible. How a guy that didn't set a lap will be starting ahead of guys that actually did. It just doesn't make sense to me. Like the oval qualifying with the double headers, that one is pristine. Lap one determines race one. Lap two determines race two. Very simple. Very and simple, think, yeah. And that's something new they did this year because we haven't had I, double headers on oval. And I thought it was, I thought it worked out really well, and it was, it was kind of neat because the qualifying was done. You had, you had the, 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 the lineup set for both races, so you didn't have to have that. You know, what if we wrecked the car in qualifying prior to race two? You know. Yeah, like if lap one you put one for race two one, and then somehow you sn- the car snaps and you wreck in a race two, it puts you at a total disadvantage not just for race number two but race number one because you have to be on it and work on it because we saw with at Texas with a little amount of time you may not even get the run like Sato did. Yeah, Sato Sato missed the race because the qual the, the schedule was so compressed there wasn't enough time to repair the car between qualifying and the green flag. So. Yeah, you never know. So it kind of it puts them in that pressure to be on it 100%. And that's been the case all year long. You have to be on it. Even when Dixon hasn't had some of the greatest finishes where he's barely in the top 10, at least he's capitalized on those to make nothing into something out of a race. And that's totally helped him in that championship quest. Of course, not this time around in Mid-Ohio because it's been more beneficial to do Garden and Herda than anybody else. Yeah, but I mean Scott salvaged a tenth place yeah. out of both races, you know. Where at race one he started way near the back, race two he ended up in the back, um, you know, after his own uh, mistake there. But you know, aggressive driving there put him in a tenth place finish rather than a twenty second or twenty third place finish um, to you know try to minimize the damage. But uh, you know, New Garden was able to capitalize, and now we're going to the Indianapolis. Uh, road course, which is another really good track for Dixon. Um, he won there earlier this year when we ran there on July 4th weekend. Uh, the prior three years, he's finished second. So it's another race course that suits um, Dixon. Uh, yeah, but but, it's, but it's also a, it's also a race course that, that suits the Penske cars. If you look at how many times the Penske cars have won uh, between Will Power and, and Paginot, have won that Grand Prix, so it's it, it it it's really shaping up to be a pretty good championship battle. When just a few weeks ago we were ready to uh, you know put put Dixon's name on a trophy. I still feel like with the Grand Prix, I know we'll discuss about near that a couple of weeks time before I turn 26 in that weekend to where it might be a championship weekend if things go well in the very first race. But if something like Mid Ohio happens, but worse. Then this this the championship opens up to a fun one going into St. Pete in about a, and over a month from now. So we'll see how that unfolds. But I still feel like Dixon may have it locked up by the end of that weekend at Indianapolis. That's my prediction, early prediction. Uh, he certainly may. I mean, I can't remember the last time that the IndyCar championship didn't go down to the to the last race. It's been 
several years. Um, usually when we get to the, uh, there's always at least two guys still involved there in the season finale. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yep. Uh, so, speaking of IndyCar, uh, there's apparently going to be an announcement tomorrow from the city of Nashville where they are going to announce a sporting event that's going to happen downtown for the next few years. And, of course, the hot rumor is that that's going to be, they're going to announce uh, IndyCar is going to race in a downtown circuit in, um, in Nashville. Uh, Nashville's a great city, got a great downtown. They're not necessarily a racing city, but they, they are a, a pretty pretty good sports city, and, and they are a great downtown festival city. They've got a lot of uh, country music festivals and those sort of things. So, uh, I mean, Louise, what are your thoughts on – now, I know myself, I'm pessimistic about getting any, um, you know, <laughs> downtown street course off the ground after we've seen all these failed – Attempts there, but um, yeah, refer to Baltimore, Meadowlands, Miami, all of those other Phoenix, Las oh, Vegas, Boston, Baltimore. Refer to all of the, even I, even though there wasn't a street circuit, New Orleans, all of those circuits. You know, you re, there's a reason why they come and go. Sao Paulo as well. I, for one, prefer if they were going to go to Nashville, send them on the super speedway. Why not? You could use. If we can have another oval that is not dangerous for the eyes of the drivers, that it worked for the many many years. I don't know how this arrow kit is going to work. But. Uh, you know what? When they when they ran it at, at uh, you know Nashville Super Speedway, the the, the concrete track in Lebanon, um, I went to a couple of those races, and they were they were stone cold sellouts too. Two thousand four was the sellout. You know that they they sold out every seat they had available. They didn't sell some of the seats. Real close to the track, but the, all the all the seats had available were sold out, and they had a great crowd. Put on a really good race. Yeah, and that's what we need—a little bit more variety. You save the street circuits for like Long Beach and Toronto, though St. Pete. Those that are well established and proved to be very popular and successful. When you're doing it at an area like you mentioned, it's not necessarily a big racing town. You don't know what you're gonna get, to be honest. Because when you look at Long Beach is near Los Angeles. That naturally works out for sure. Vegas is more of a tourist town. You're not getting in that many folks that go to a street circuit. And I feel like that might be the same thing with Nashville. Because, I mean, we uh, hopefully it doesn't end up like a San Jose situation where you're going to be jumping through a, a mini ramp that because of the train tracks and all of that. <laughs> hopefully it doesn't yeah. end up like that. And that's another factor as well. Will it adapt to any these fast grooves? Depends on where they put it. Yeah, I mean, so largely, I think most of the course is going to go around private grounds. You know, it's going to go around the stadium where the Titans play and whatnot. And they're, they're going to use stadium. Yeah, Nissan. They're going to use fewer public roads. Uh, but but at the same time, you know, it's always a monumental task to get these off the ground. Largely for number one, the government red tape, and number two, the opposition groups who don't want to see this sort of thing. So we'll, we'll, we'll see if they can get this off the ground. Um, I wish them success. I, you know, certainly Nashville. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Same here. Yeah. I mean, Nashville is a couple hours, you know, drive for me. I've got a cousin that lives there right downtown. I could probably, you know, go, uh, stay with him for a couple of days and go check out the race. So, um, but you know, is what it is. I, I, I we haven't had a new street circuit, really thrive not in recent memory. in recent years i mean the last one that's still there is saint pete yeah of course you have well some people consider airport as street circus i i view them as airport circuits but it's been a while so it's those kind of things really launch up to the ground like saint pete has the past near two decades yeah, I mean, St. Pete uses a combination of city streets and the airport, uh, so they don't have a horrible time putting that on. You know, the old Cleveland Grand Prix used the entire airport runway. They just shut down the, the airport for the weekend, but they had a – it was a smaller airport of the of the ones they used. But but if you look at – like you see, you know, again, Baltimore, Houston, uh, you know, Boston never got off the ground. The Grand Prix of New Jersey for Formula One never got off the ground, you know, so – 
Miami's not looking prominent right now either for Formula One. Exactly, well. yeah. So, but we are out of time. So the one thing that we didn't do was pick a cup winner for Bristol. So we'll just take a moment, go around the table. Everybody wants to uh, pick a winner for Bristol because that'll be our the the one major race happening next weekend. So Seth, who do you like for Bristol in the Cup Series? I'll go with Chase Elliott. And Richard. God. Richard, I have a feeling you wanted to pick Chase Elliott. Oh, Logano. And Louise? I think Blaney makes it and finally get that monkey off his back to, and wins at Thunder Valley at long last. Anyone home? Ryan Blaney, Bristol? Yep. <laughs> right, Brandy. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Kyle Busch. Kyle Busch finally gets that I can't win a race. Monkey off his back <laughs> in 2020, um, and go from there. So, but we are out of time. So I want to thank you, Seth, Richard, Louise. I want to thank the Hoobazoo Radio Network, uh, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Google Podcast, and I want to thank all you folks that listen to us week in and week out. Until next week, good night. <laughs> Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.